We're going to start a new series tonight. We're going to talk tonight about how to live free from fear. And, and I want to say this, as we get into this message, realize that there's a lot of people online right now. So if there's any glitches in your live stream, don't worry about that. This message will be up by tomorrow morning by 11 o'clock and you could re-watch it. But if you're gathered and, and you're having some trouble with that, man, just pull up another one of our messages here and receive from the Word of God. But come back and listen to this and take notes because you need to go out and walk this out in your own life and preach it, praise God. God's Word is the source and foundation of our thinking and our believing. This is the foundation that teaches us how to think and what we believe. Never forget that. God's Word is to govern your thought life, is to govern what you believe. Because realize this, what you believe is what you're going to act on. And your actions bring forth fruit in your life. So you, God, you want God's fruit. So as the Bible has been given to us to teach us how to think, as we talk about living free from fear, guys, this is not catching us off guard. We are living at the final days, the end of the church age. This doesn't catch us off guard, and this doesn't cause us to decrease. We're going to increase through this, through everything that we face, in safety, at rest, at peace. We don't have to worry about the pestilence, about sickness and disease. God is our refuge. He's our healer. He's our source of divine health and divine life. Thinking right is going to enable you to believe right. Realize this. Why am I talking about this? You have to live a life free from fear in order to believe right. This is a foundational statement in this study. You have to be believing right to, leave, to live free from fear. So that means you're going to have to govern your thought life. Hebrews chapter 4 in verse 3 says this, For we which have believed do enter into rest. This is Hebrews chapter 4 verse 3. For he which ha has believed or have believed do enter into rest as he said, as I've sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. The part I want you to see here, we which have believed do enter into rest. The rest of God is a place where you're free from fear. You've ceased from your own works and now you're simply working out what he works in. That is defined in Acts 17, 28. It's in him that I live that I move and that I have my very being. When you believe right, you've entered into his rest. Now here's the thing about believing. Believing always comes down to yours and my personal choice. What you believe is simply, you can choose to believe whatever you want. God is saying, believe me. 
believe me. Realize this, that facts will always breed fear. Always, right? And fear affects your faith. The Bible says faith works by love. So we're going to talk about that. The Bible also says that perfect love or love that has been brought to maturity casts out fear. So that's why when you, when you enter the rest of God, you're free from fear in every way. The question is, are you going to believe the facts of your life or are you going to believe the truth of God's word? It's what it all comes down to. So let's turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. Never forget this, that courage comes from you knowing who you are in Christ. That's where courage comes from. Knowing who you are in Christ. Now, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, this is Paul writing to a, a young pastor, and he says this, this know also. So this is very strong in the Greek language. This word know is the Greek word genosko. It literally means you got to perceive and understand this. What, is he, what does he want Timothy to, and what does the Spirit of God want us to not only see and perceive, but also understand that in the last days, perilous times shall come. This is really strange because the last days started before this was written. But it didn't say perilous times are here. It says they shall come. But if you look at the wording of this last days, the Greek word used is the final days. Guys, this is talking about our day. The last days started when Jesus came out of the tomb. We are at the end of the last days. We're in the final of the last days. He says perilous times are going to come. The word perilous in the Greek language means dangerous times, difficult times, strength-reducing times shall come. There's no doubt you can see the fear that is being even just with what we're facing right now. The fear on people. They're hoarding things and they, there's all these questions, all these things in people's lives. Dangerous, difficult, strength-reducing times. In other words, we're living in a day where Satan, who's ultimately the enemy, he's the one behind all of it, is working to reduce your strength. That's what it's all designed to do. The basis of fear, as we're going to study this in this series, is when a person does not know without a shadow of a doubt that God loves them enough and cares for them enough to see them through whatever they're facing. All fear comes out of the fact that people just don't believe. Now think about that. If that's true, what about a person that doesn't believe in God? They can't even combat this at all. There is nothing but fear for them. But for us as children of God, there's peace. Because we know, we know right at the beginning of a storm, 
that he's with me in this storm. He'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. He cares so much about me. I am going through this storm, coming out the other end victorious. That's what we know. The person can never believe for God's will to come to pass in their lives if they first don't know that God loves them and cares for them enough to see them through and make it happen for them. Fear, as we're going to see from God's word, the spirit of fear, and fear is a spirit, it will dominate a person's life if they let it. Everyone who does not know God, fear is dominating their life. Fear will rob a person. Fear makes us subject to bondage. That's why God doesn't want fear anywhere in our lives. Fear always will keep you from God's best. When fear is in operation, Satan is able to operate and the God of heaven is unable to operate. Because see, God can't violate a person's will. So if if they are choosing to believe wrong things because they're thinking wrong and they're looking at wrong things and the spirit of fear starts dominating them, they they will not believe the Bible. And God's hands are tied. When your life is completely rid of fear, Satan can't work in your life. And what we're talking about, living free from fear, we're not talking about covering up fear. Right? Sometimes you could take medicine that will cover up pain. No, no, we're talking about flushing it out. See, you could have an individual, that man will jump off a cliff, cliff dive, do extreme sports, ice climbing, all kinds of crazy stuff. And you could think, wow, this guy doesn't even believe in God and he's fearless. Well, in that area. But I'll guarantee that same person that will climb thousands of feet in the air, risking their life in an extreme sport, could be deathly afraid of how they're going to pay their mortgage or how they're going to pay their rent or, or what. There's, there's different areas. And if you allow fear in one area of your life, fear will always try to come to other areas of your life. So this is why we have to rid our life from fear. The Bible says a lot about it. Fear operates in the absence of the love of God. Faith operates only in the presence of the love of God. Fear operates only in the absence of the love of God. Okay? So if you don't know that he loves you, you're you're absent of knowledge of the love of God, you're going to walk in fear. But if you choose to believe God and you walk in the love of God, which has already been shed abroad in your hearts by the Holy Ghost, You could walk free from fear in every area of your life. Luke 21, verse 26, is a scripture. This was, Jesus was talking about what what it's going to be like in this seven-year tribulation period, right at the end, right before his second coming. Now, we'll be out of here as the church before that tribulation period starts, but I want you to see an aspect of fear 
that's alive at that part in history, that, that it's still the same way for us today. Jesus said this, he said, men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of heaven shall be shaking, shaken. Fear will cause your heart to fail and God doesn't want that for your life. Fear operates by hearing the words of the world. The whole world system Jesus called Satan the God, small g, of this world system. The whole world system speaks words that will produce fear and unbelief. It's designed not by people to be that way. It's designed by the enemy to be that way. Fear is developed. So it operates by hearing the words of the world. Fear operates by hearing the words of the world. But fear is developed through meditating and acting on Satan's lies that you're hearing in the world. See, you'll hear something. All of a sudden, you're walking down the hall at work and somebody coughs, and all of a sudden, a voice goes off in your mind, oh my gosh, what if, you know, I just touched the same sink that they just touched or you're in an elevator and somebody coughs and you're like oh my gosh i'm in the airspace what if so see it you start meditating on that and it's starting to give fear a way to operate but you don't have to do that because fear is a spirit you could tell it to leave satan supports and develops his destructive power all the time and his destructive power is fear. He literally throws thoughts to create an environment where a person's thinking and believing the wrong thing, and it creates an environment where fear can operate, so now he can operate. That's how it works. Here's the thing. Fear demands compromise. It demands it. If you give in to fear, it will demand compromise in your life. And we don't want anything to do with that. Acting on fear produces doubt and unbelief. So we got to get this out of our life. As we stand at the beginning of this coronavirus, guess what? We as the church already know the end of it. You might be at the beginning of a, you know, you might have lost your job or your company is shut down or, or whatever's going on. Or you might be in a hospital room right now where you were diagnosed with this. Or you might be an elderly person that's going, oh my gosh, I can't even go outside. Well, I'm here to tell you, you can. Because Jesus has paid for it all. And there's protection and freedom and peace for you. The Bible says, great peace have they who love his word, and nothing will offend them. That means nothing will entrap them, trip them up, and cause them to distrust. I love that. Acting on fear produces doubt and unbelief. Acting on fear is acting like Satan is greater than God. That's how serious this is. And I got news for you, Satan has a big mouth, but he can't even compare to the power that God, that God has. 
So run over in your Bible to John chapter 16, verse 33. John chapter 16, verse 33. I think we've heard this verse from, from our worship leader here, our worship director during worship. He must have been looking at my notes before, or I have a feeling he wasn't. I think that's the Holy Spirit trying to say something tonight. John 16, 33, this is Jesus speaking. These things I've spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. Listen, if you're watching tonight, and you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, what it means to be in Christ, it means that you've invited Jesus to come into your life and be Lord of your life. You believe that he died on a cross for your sins and you believe he was raised and now is seated in heaven at God's right hand. And now you're simply going, Jesus, I believe, I confess with my mouth that you're not only Lord of all, but you're my Lord. And when you do that and invite him in, he comes in and takes out the old spirit man that you were, and that spirit man is gone, the past is gone, he puts a brand new spirit in you. It, the Bible calls it you're born again, and now the Holy Spirit comes and takes residency in your spirit man for eternity. And that's what it means to be in Christ. For those of us, as we're sitting here tonight in our living rooms or wherever we are, if the Spirit of God is in you, you're in Christ. The Bible says, in me, you might have peace. The only reason why he said you might is because the choice is yours. He is the Prince of Peace. He's on the inside of you. The peace of God is within you. You decide, are you going to think right, believe right, believe what his word says, or are you going to believe the truth of his word, or are you going to believe the facts? These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world, it doesn't say you might have tribulation, it says you shall have tribulation. It's tribulation that we can't be together as a church family. It's tribulation that we can't go to a restaurant or do different things. It's tribulation when, you, when you're diagnosed with, with a virus and you have to quarantine yourself for 14 days. All that's tribulation. This word, this Greek word literally means pressure. It means mental anguish. Jesus is saying in the world you're going to have pressure. There's going to be mental anguish. You're going to have persecution. It means persecution. This Greek word means you're going to have burdens. And it means you're going to have trouble. But what do we do with all that? We roll that all over on the Lord. Because in Him, we have peace. And we're in Him. We're in the world, but we're in Him in the world. So that means we don't have the pressure, the mental anguish, the persecution, the burdens and the trouble that affect us. We actually affect that and change that. It says, he says this, but be of good cheer. In the Greek language, it would literally read, take courage and be bold. When you face pressure, when you face mental anguish, take courage and be bold. Why? Jesus says, I have overcome the world. This Greek word is nikao. It comes from the root nike. You guys know Nike tennis shoes. That word means victory. 
Mikao literally means to conquer, to be victorious and to conquer. Take courage and be bold. I've conquered and am victorious over the world system, Jesus said. So we can have peace because of what he did. The spirit of this world system is designed to make you afraid. Courage comes as a result, though, of who you know, Jesus, and what you know, his word. John 10.10 says this, The thief comes not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. If you're facing a crisis tonight, God didn't put any virus on you. God wants to eradicate the virus. This is a result of the curse and the fall of man. But I'm telling you, what Jesus did is greater. So you could be free, you could be healed, you could be at peace during this time. That is the message of the church. And it's time for the church to get out in the streets and to proclaim that message. I want you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 5 in verse 8. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. The Word of God tells us, it says, be sober. That means, in the Greek, it means to think clear, to not be moved by your emotions, and to be moderate. That means to be at rest. To not go to the extreme. Be sober. See, many are tempted to just give up or go, man, go to the extreme. Let's just escape. Well, listen, if you're in the world, there's no escaping. You're going to have pressure. You're going to have this everywhere you go. But I'm telling you, there's a place in God where you can escape. It's called the secret place. It's called being in Christ. Be sober. And then it says, the Word of God tells us, be vigilant. This Greek word means be ever on your guard. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, is walking about seeking whom he may devour. Yes, there is a devil. And he's looking for who he can devour. That tells me he can't devour just anybody he wants to. Because he's a killer, he'd want everybody devoured. And if you're a child of God tonight, you've been given authority in the name of Jesus over him. You have authority in the name of Jesus. It is greater than any virus. It is greater than any financial need that you might have. It's greater than any sickness or disease. It's greater than anything that you're facing. This word adversary... This literally, it's a masculine noun in the Greek. It literally means an opponent, an enemy. It literally means this, one who is violently opposed to righteousness. Church, hear me tonight. We have an adversary. That's his personal pronoun name. It's a masculine pronoun or a masculine noun. It's who he is. He is violently opposed to righteousness. And guess what? If you're a Christian, you've been made the righteousness of Almighty God in Christ. So he hates you. He's your opponent. And here's the good news. 
Jesus already defeated him. His only tool is deception to create fear so he can steal from you. We talked about John 10.10 in the Bible. Let's be theologically very correct. If it steals, kills, and destroys, it's from the enemy. It's from Satan. If If it brings life and abundant life, it's from God. James says it this way, every good and every perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights, our God, in whom is no variableness. That means what he's done for one, he will do for all. He has, he's not a respecter of persons. There's no shadow of turning. If he ever did it once, he'll still do it today. He has always been a healer. He's a healer today. He always will be a healer. He was a deliverer. He is a deliverer. He always will be a deliverer. Your adversary, the devil. This Greek word is also a noun, but it tells us, it reveals how Satan operates. It's the Greek word diabolos. Dia means what he does is he wants to penetrate through something to the other side. We know from Scripture that Satan wants to penetrate your mind so that you think his thoughts to get you into fear. Abelos literally means to throw something blow after blow after blow until it penetrates to the other side. So he will throw thoughts over and over and over. During this time, all of a sudden, you might get a fever and instantly you're thinking, oh my gosh, I've got that virus. You might cough and the enemy will throw a thought. Oh man, you, you know, you're in trouble here, right? We don't give ear to that. Now, we do what we do in the natural. Yes, you wash your hands. Yes, you know, you believe God. You do all these things in the natural, but you don't get in fear because you think God's thoughts. You think in line with the Word of God. Our adversary, the devil, he's walking around as a roaring lion. Those thoughts can be so loud, so scary. But I'm here to tell you, there's a greater one, Jesus There's a greater greater one, the mighty Holy Spirit, who's with you and in you to deliver you. He's walking about seeking whom he may devour. Now, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, brings clarity to everything. To stay free from fear, you have to know, you literally have to see things soberly. Not as they seem, but as they really are. The enemy is the enemy always. It says here in Ephesians 6, 12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Your problem is never a person. It's always Satan. Satan will use people. He'll use circumstances. He will create viruses. But he's always the one behind it. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. This word wrestle, the people at the time this was written, the people of Ephesus would have known what this meant. The wrestlers of that day, it was a literal wrestle to the death with no rules. The winner was alive and would go on. 
And so this, is, this word wrestle literally in the Greek means it's, it's, a, it's a fight to the death with no rules. Satan doesn't play by the rules. You as a child of God who have the name of Jesus and the authority of that name have to keep him in line. And you can. Because every time you speak the word of God out of your mouth because you believe it in your heart, the Bible says the power of God is it, it's right there on the scene and God brings that word to pass. So important that we understand that. It says, though, we do wrestle against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. That, that literally means the air under the mountains. Why? Because Satan's walking to and fro in the earth. So in other words, our warfare, according to this scripture, is not against people, but it's against spiritual powers that operate behind the scenes through people and situations. You cannot win a spiritual battle with natural weapons. And God has given us spiritual weapons. It's called the Word of God. We speak His Word. It's the sword of the Spirit, and that's how we combat the enemy. There are four ranks listed here. Principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. Four ranks of Satan's hierarchy are mentioned in this verse, and we as the church have authority over all of them. Complete authority over all of them. Verse 13 says this, Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God. That's a whole other study, but the armor of God is where the revelation knowledge of his word manifests. It's literally revelation knowledge, by, revelation knowledge of his word is the armor of God. Therefore take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Well, listen guys, the evil day is March 18th. The evil day tomorrow will be March 19th. It's always going to be the evil day while we're on this earth. But we are to have days of heaven in the evil day. Right? Why? The Lord's my shepherd. And I, I shall never lack. I will never decrease. I'll never diminish. You know, why am I able to do that? He's with me. He's always with me. He's for me. We sang about that. He goes before me, right? He stands behind me. He's beside me. He's above me, beneath me, within me, and I'm in him. I'm a peculiar person as a child of God. That means I'm purchased and I'm surrounded. That's what that word peculiar means. He surrounds his people. It says, take on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, verse 14 First two words, stand therefore. In other words, God's word is saying, listen, take the word of God and prepare to stand. So that when you face things, you're prepared to stand. Very simple. So we live our life. That's why we meditate in the word of God day and night. 
Why? So that I think right, so that I believe right, so that I speak and act right, so that I walk in the blessing of God and I live a life free from fear. Verse 13 is the second time we're told to put on the whole armor of God. Verse 11 of this same chapter tells us to put on the whole armor of God that we may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And the wiles of the devil are very clear. That word wiles means to travel down one road one way. Well, we know what that road is. He throws thoughts. That's the way he comes at all of us. He throws thoughts to penetrate our mind because if he could get you thinking wrong, you'll believe wrong. And now fear can manifest in your life so he can operate to steal, kill, and destroy. But if you think right and believe right because you put the whole armor of God on, you could live a life free from fear because you'll walk in the love of God and it keeps him out. Isn't that good news? Very good news. We are told to put the armor of God on because we're fighting a spiritual battle. Verse 13, the whole armor of God will enable us to stand against anything the enemy throws against us. But verse 13 is very clear that the armor of God doesn't automatically protect us. The mere fact that I'm carrying this Bible does not automatically protect me. I've got it, and, and having this word in my mind only is not going to protect me. I've got to put this word in my heart. So to put it in my heart, I put it first place in my life. I give it my undivided attention. I always keep it before my eyes, and I keep it in the midst of my heart. And what happens then is the word of God is life to me because I find it. The Holy Spirit down on the inside of me is giving me revelation knowledge. He opens the Word of God to me. And now it's full of power, it's full of life, and it's medicine and health to all my flesh. This is huge how this works. The armor doesn't automatically protect us. We must take it unto and into ourselves. We must allow ourselves to be endued by it. The Word of God goes into my spirit, man. The Holy Spirit etches it on me, brings revelation knowledge so that I see it. That revelation knowledge comes out of my, out of my spirit, man, and is communicated to my mind, and it renews my thinking so that now my life is transformed. That's how it works. So now I'm endued with the Word of God. As I walk, I'm literally, the Word of God is now manifested within me and upon me. Now let's jump over to 1 John chapter 4, and we're going to look at verse 18 and 19. I hope this is exciting you as much as this is exciting me. Guys, I believe it's a time, our church, the people, we're going to rise up, be fearless, and know, we already know our future. Your future in 2020 is one of increase. But pastor, I just, I just my, my job, I'm not making any money. He's your provider. But you don't understand. I've been diagnosed with something where there's no cure. He's your healer. But you don't understand, man, my life is a disaster and he's a deliverer. We know that. Because he loves me enough, 
I know that he loves me enough that he's with me, he cares for me, and he's going to see me through. And this is what happens. Verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect fear. It casts out fear. It flushes it out. It's gone. See, you don't have any problems. All you need is faith in God. A great minister once said that. It says, there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Why? Because fear has torment. Fear, in other words, fear will torment you. Torment says, I'm never going to have enough. I'm not going to make it. This is not going to work out. It will say that over and over and over. We don't reason with it. We tell it to leave in Jesus' name. And how we do that is by knowing that God loves us. His love, his agape love in my heart will drive out and flush out all fear from my life. Listen, there might be fear in your life that you haven't even heard of yet. You don't even know it's there. But you start walking in a revelation of the love of God and all of a sudden, man, that thing just has to go. And then all of a sudden you're going through your life and you'll face something and you're sitting there going, wow, this is wild. People around me are telling me I should be freaked out. Right? I'm over 60 years old and my kids think that I should, I should not go outside. You know, and all this stuff and everybody's telling me what I'm facing I should be afraid of and I'm standing here going, I'm in perfect peace. That's because the love of God that you have a revelation of in your heart has literally been brought to maturity. It says here, perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love is defined as this. I believe and know that God loves me enough, that he cares about me enough, that he will never leave me, and he will always see me through to victory. Always. It's not too late. God is more than enough. Amen? Hallelujah. If you're afraid of something, it's because your love has not been made perfect. See, it says here at the end, it says, he that feareth is not made perfect in love. But it says perfect love casts out fear. If you don't believe God cares about you enough to see you through, you're going to be fearful. But that no longer is us. Amen? Amen. Say this with me. Right from your own living room, wherever you are, right in the sanctuary with our worship team, say this with me. I know know. that I know know. and am fully persuaded persuaded. that my God loves me, that that he's with me, that That he'll never leave me, that That he'll never forsake me, that he cares about me and will always see me through to victory. Hallelujah. Do you believe that? I know you do. To be free from fear, we must cultivate the love of God. This is not something that you hear once. You need to walk around all day saying, God loves me. He loves me enough to see me through. 
I'm loved of God. Do you know the Bible message? The number one message in the Bible, if you're to take an aerial view of the Bible, is that God loves you. That's the message. Why, why are people fearful? Why don't they read their Bible? Why don't, they, why don't they tithe? Why don't they honor God in their giving? Jesus told a whole parable about it. It's amazing if you read Luke chapter 6. How, how much fear is tied to people that, that are afraid to sow money. They're afraid to forgive. Well, listen, it's pretty soon you might be afraid to drive, be afraid to touch something, be afraid to go anywhere. Fear will never stop dealing with you until you deal with it and you have authority over fear because your God loves you. God will always protect you, provide for you, he will always deliver you. Always. The Bible says nothing more than it says this. God is love. He is love. If you don't cast fear out of your life, what happens is fear will become a force in your life that will start to govern the way you live. You can see it right now before you, church. People are afraid. And we have their answer. People don't know that fear is a spirit. People don't know that Jesus completely stripped Satan of all power on the cross. And when he came out of the cross, when he came off the cross and out of the grave, it's done. He's done. They don't know that. So you got to know it so that you can give it to others. Because we can't give what we don't have. We can't take somebody someplace where we've never been. So you keep listening. You keep meditating. And you'll know it. The Word of God is full of life. Being free from fear brings freedom into every arena of your life. Free, free. Jesus came for you to be free. The Bible says this in John 8, 31. It says, if you continue in my word, you'll know the truth of my word. And the truth of my word that you know will make you free. It goes right down in John 8, 36, and it says, whoever the Son has made free and child of God, tonight you need to know you were made free 2,000 years ago. Whoever the Son has made free is indeed free right now. We are free. So I want you to turn in your Bibles as we're kind of coming to the end of this. Turn in your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 1 in verse 7. Boy, I've got good news. Get ready to shout because this is a truth that you need to know. So many Christians have read this, they could quote it, but they don't have the revelation on it that we're going to get tonight. It's wonderful. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, it says, For God has not, hath not, given us the spirit of fear. In other words, fear is an evil spirit that has not been given to us by God. Hallelujah. Because everything that's not of Him can't be in my life but look at what god gave us he gave us in context 
a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. In the Greek language, it would say power, agape love, unconditional love, the love of God, and soundness of mind. Isn't it amazing that right in between power and sound mind is love? Why is that? That's not by chance. See, the reason why the love is in the middle is because the power of God comes out of the love of God. The reason why it's in the middle is because as you walk in the love of God, it will bring soundness to your mind. In other words, you will think right, believe right, walk in the love of God, and cast out fear in every... The love of God will cast the fear out of your life. I love that. Fear is not natural for you and I as a believer. It's not nat- We're not programmed to fear. Fear must be received. Say this after me. I will never, I will never receive, fear. receive fear. I am... Fearless. Amen. Amen. So fear must be received. We recover. Realize this in your life. You will recover whatever you continually look at. Satan loves to get you continually looking at your past so that past mistake that you made 20 years ago or six months ago, or yesterday, if you continually look at it, you will recover it. If you lose your keys, you recover them. You find them. Right? That's a good thing. But recovering death from your past is not a good thing. If you continually look at what this other person so-called did to you, you will recover that offense and that anger towards that person and it will cut you off and create fear in your life. It could destroy relationships, friendships, marriages. How to have a great marriage. Get over yourself and forget about what your spouse is doing and focus on what you're doing. Yeah, but she or he is just all over me, all the time. So, you want to be free? Focus on the love of God. Because you can't control that other person. Satan loves when you fight battles that you can't win. He loves to make you think about things you can't change. You can't change what happened yesterday. You can't change the stupid things you did in your past. Don't worry about it. Paul said this, forgetting those things that are behind me, I, I press forward. Amen? We're pressing forward. What we look at, we will eventually look to and it'll become a source for us. If you're looking at your job and you're looking at your investments or your retirement, pretty soon you're going to be looking to them and they're going to be your source. But God is to be your source. The love of God is our source. Remember this, and I've said this so much to, this, to our church family, Remember this, beliefs are formed and cultivated how? 
They come out of very closely the things that you observe, the things, the people and things that you associate with, and the teaching that you sit under. So you got to be careful about what you're observing, the teaching you're hearing, the people you're associating with, or the things you're associating with. You have to be careful. The power of God always comes out of the love of God. What is the power of God? It is the ability of God that gets results. It comes out of his love. You'll never see the power of God if you're not operating in the love of God. But if you're operating and living in the love of God, you'll live in the power of God. Church, we live in the power of God. Do you know tonight that we only have a few people here in this place and we have our church family all over the place? And I hope you're online sharing this with people that don't know God and your co-workers and your family and everything. But guess what? While we're separate in separate geographical locations, the Lord is literally knitting our hearts together. He's bringing community into our church as never before. What the enemy has meant for evil, God will turn it around for good. Why? Because we walk in mature love. We know he cares about us, he's with us, and he's going to see us through this to victory and increase. Romans 5.5 tells us the foundation. Romans 5.5 says, And hope makes not ashamed, because the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given to us. God took his love and saturated our spirit man with it. Courage comes from knowing you are in Christ. Being word conscious, being conscious of his word makes me conscious of God which brings and makes me have a righteousness consciousness. As I'm conscious of his word, because I meditate in it day and night, I'm conscious of God, his love for me, his presence in my life, and it makes me conscious of the fact that I am his righteous child. And I've been made in the very righteousness of God simply by faith and believing that he did what he did. Isn't that good news? Never forget that. A sin consciousness always causes a person to draw back. A righteousness, well, I should say it this way. A sin consciousness causes somebody to draw back and fear. A righteousness consciousness causes a person to be bold and to draw near to God. That's how we live. So Romans chapter 5, verse 17. We're going to finish up with a couple scriptures in Romans. Romans 5, 17 says this, For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, in other words, through, Jesus, or through Adam's offense, Adam's sin, death reigned, much more they which receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. In other words, for us as children of God, positionally everything changed. Now I have a position with God. 
I have his ear, his eyes upon me. He's in my life. I must receive that I have been made the righteousness of God in Christ. We're going to talk about that a lot more on Sunday. Through righteousness, you and I will rule over lack, bondage, sickness, anxiety, and fear. It's it's who we are. Without righteousness, we can't rule. Satan's plan is to attack you when you do something that doesn't line up with righteousness. He will tell you, look at what you did. You have no right to be healed. You have no right to own a home. You have no right to to flourish financially because of what you did. You have no right to have a healthy marriage. Look at what you did with your kids. You have no right to have a relationship with them. Well, I'm here to tell you tonight, you've been made right. So you have a right. If you will continue believing in the midst of all of those thoughts, if you'll continue believing that I'm righteous, that I do have a right because of what Jesus did, then it will cause you to rule over this wrong behavior that the enemy keeps beating you up with. You'll walk free from it. That's how you walk free from all behavior that's contrary. Now, the last thing I want to tell you, and we're going to talk more about this, Romans chapter 8, verse 2. Romans chapter 8, verse 2 says this, For the law of the Spirit of life that is in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. The law of the Spirit of life, now this is a law, It's like the law of gravity, but it's a greater law. I don't care who you are, rich, poor, what color you are, what nationality you are, whatever your status or education is, if you jump off this building, you're going to know the law of gravity. The same. Everybody will. This is a spiritual law, the law of the spirit of life that is in Christ Jesus. That means that this law is in Christ. Guess what? You as a believer, you're in Christ. It says this law has made me free from the law of sin and death. You've already been made free from the law of sin and death. That's why fear is not something that's internal. You don't have a spirit of fear. It might feel internal, but it's not. It's external. You, you, you're not made to fear. And I've been made free from the law of sin and death. The law of sin and death is simply this. It's the nature of Satan. It's selfishness and self-centeredness. As you, if you allow the law of sin and death to operate, every time you're self-centered, self-aware, selfish, you're operating under the law of sin and death that you've been made free from as a Christian. Out of this law flows fear. You know how it says in the Bible, faith works by love. Out of the love of God flows the faith of God. Out of selfishness flows fear. And fear connects you to everything the enemy wants to do to steal, kill, and destroy in your life. So the law of sin and death, if you're taking notes, Put that law is selfishness and self-centeredness 
point and arrow coming out of it creates fear and fear will connect you to everything the enemy can do to steal, kill, and destroy. You've been made free from that. The law of the spirit of life which is in Christ Jesus, that is the agape love of God. As you operate in the love of God, that this, this perfect love where you know my God loves me. He'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. He's going to see me through. What flows out of the love of God is faith. And it connects you to every blessing of God. God wants you blessed. He removed the curse of the law from us when we were born again so that the blessing of Abraham could come on us. It's wonderful. Well, I hope you've learned some things tonight. I want to encourage you. Go back and listen to this message again. Take notes. Get these notes on paper. The world around you needs to know this. And for them to know it, you have to have revelation knowledge and walk in it. So become a crockpot. Let that simmer in you. Let the Holy Spirit bring revelation. And then when you're overflowing, go out and share this with others.